What's going on, everybody? This is Glenn from The Raw Talk, your favorite host, and I am here to talk to you about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and upload all of my podcasts. Uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. So you know me, easy and free. That's what I like. There are creation tools on this platform that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to all platforms so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money also from your podcast, which is a super good benefit with no minimum listenership. So, boom, get that in there. But I wanted to say that it is everything that you need from a podcast in one place. Easy, convenient, free. You can make money. It's a no-brainer. Why don't you guys head over to the website today and check it out. Go to anchor.fm to get started. What is going on, everybody? This is The Raw Talk, and this is your favorite host, Glenn, and we are back again for Season 1, Episode 4, and I got a great guest with me tonight, one of my best friends, Bray Cooper. He is coming live via Zoom, our second Zoom uh, interview that we've done. So I've done two, interviewed myself, obviously, was in person, and my buddy uh, Brandon was Episode 2. He was in person, and then we went uh, to Florida for a Zoom call and now we're going to Raleigh for a Zoom call. Uh, Bray, like I said, is one of my best friends. We met at a job that we both hated. I'm sure we'll talk about that during this episode. To give you a little background on Bray, he is a businessman, a father, a husband, and one of the hardest working people that I know. This guy does not say no to money, and I want to thank him for taking the time to get on this episode tonight. Bray, I appreciate you being on here. Thanks, bud. Uh, I appreciate you having me. Um, that was a great intro, by the way. Was it? I, uh, I don't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think anybody's kind of rolled out that type of red carpet for me before. So. Ah, thanks, man. I could I could have went on with a couple more things, but I'm not going to toot your horn. <laughs> but uh. But yeah. So. You could have mentioned my ass. It doesn't stop. That's fine. Uh, so <laughs> Bray and I talked a little bit about this show and about the platform that we're trying to provide here at the Raw Talk to try to do one-on-one interviews to really um, give a platform for younger generations or really anybody that is seeking guidance or help in their personal life who are struggling or who may be able to, uh, you know, look for an avenue to success through hearing stories of other people. So Bray and I talked a little bit about it. He was not scheduled for tonight. He's a trooper. I texted him. I said, Hey, can you get on in, you know, two hours? And he said, yeah, I'm gonna put the kids to sleep. And he hopped on. I told Bray, I wanted him to tell me, you know, one, uh, theme that he wanted to keep this um, interview to. And the topic tonight that we are going to try to discuss is uh, don't be afraid to fail. And, you know, Bray, I think that's a great topic. No one has brought that up yet. And I think if you want to go ahead and take it away and start us off at your childhood or wherever you want to start, and we'll hop into that topic. So the floor is yours, buddy. Oh, I I appreciate it, man. And um, I think one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to dive into this too was you know, my personality type. I think when a lot of people are looking at success and what success means to them, they, they look back on experiences and things that they've had. And, and um, unfortunately for me, my personality type, I've, I've just kind of always been that responsible one and always been, you know, the guy that tries to make the absolute best possible, most logical decision in each scenario that I'm involved with it you know, life event wise. And, um, I think I've kind of messed out on, on some things. So, you know, if I can kind of coach people through like, you know, that, and, um, you know, 
not being afraid to fail because I think a lot of that was motivated by that and and absolutely uh, 100% think this was all worth it. So, um, but yeah, man, I'd, I'd be happy to kind of start back in my childhood. Um, I definitely think it goes back that far. Um, <laughs> and you know this, I grew up in a big, huge family, right? Yeah, huge it's family. yeah. Uh, you're Native American, right? Yeah. Or we we're not supposed to say that. We had an argument. What is, what is it? What's the proper term that we use? Hey, look, man, it, it really doesn't matter. All um, right. So we'll go with Native American yeah, for this interview. It, it went, you know, you'll get some people that will throw the rump over their shoulders for anything, and that's okay. You know, if that's your prerogative. I'm going to be Sherall. That's the tribe. So, but yeah, a really big family. There were six, six of us. So I have four of the brothers and sister. Um, we were uh, working poor. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was I was growing up, and um, so I kind of got to see firsthand, like, hey, I don't want to not have money when I'm older. Like, my main priority is to not be poor. That was my motivation. It's been my motivation for the longest time, right? Like, when you're 10, 11 years old, and you got to spot your dad a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred to help pay some bills and you know, you're never going to see that hundred dollars back that you worked so hard to save up. I mean, I mean, you know, 11 years old, it's, it's hard to save up that type of money. And, um, I just never wanted to be in that position again. And, yeah. um, you know, being the third in the middle also kind of went into it. I, um, I got to see kind of firsthand. My older brother was more or less a kind of a fuck up, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you you, you, when you when you're in the middle or when you're you're younger you kind of get to see like oh that's what you don't do don't do that there yeah so <laughs> so was your brother the type like uh so I, you know I'm, I'm not trying to take it back an episode but your older brother i know people are supposed to look up to their older brother so did him being a fuck up actually help you because he showed you the wrong things to do i mean was he a role model to you or was it just the fact that you saw in his life things that he did wrong and you knew that you didn't want to grow up like that. So that's kind of how it shaped you to become who you are today. And uh, I didn't mean to cut in there, but I had a question. So. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. Um, it made me who I was, but now that I can look on it hindsight, I don't necessarily think that the things that he did, now, he did a lot of things that were stupid, a lot of things, but a lot of things that, that now I can look back and say, well, you know what? I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for that, to be yeah. honest with you. I, I definitely think he could have made some better decisions in, in, in some places. Like, he himself did not need to have, you know, five different kids from several baby mamas. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's other aspects that I, I would have I said or, or, or said he was more or less guilty of. But now, now when I'm older, I'm like, you know, I think any teenager or young adolescent person would have made this, a similar decision. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. I think where his problem was, was him, him, him fucking up didn't necessarily mean he made a better decision next time. Right. Like, yeah. That's the goal, right? Like if you mess up then the goal is not to mess up in that way again, well, and learn, to learn from it. I don't, I think he had a hard time with that. Um, but I kind of got to see firsthand so where he messed up. So my goal was like, just don't ever fucking mess up. You got a perfect example. Don't do what he did. And my life was kind of structured that way. And it kind of led me to be this 
very old, very super responsible young man at a very early age. I think when most people met me when I was pretty young, even you probably yeah. met me, you probably thought I was older than what I actually was. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is the first time we met, uh, Bray was actually the assistant manager for the enterprise rent a car that I had started at. And he was kind of my, you know, life coach and mentor. And the nickname that I gave him was daddy Bray, because this guy is literally like an old soul, just a very mature person. And he comes off like that when you first meet him. But when, once you get to know this guy, I mean, there's a heart of gold there. Bray will do anything for anybody, give you the shirt off his back. And you can just tell that the, you know, the struggles in his life and what he's been through really did help mold him uh, into who he is today and the person he is. And let me take you back a second again. So the question I had about your brother, I'm going to go a step further with this and ask you about the financial hardship, hardships of your family. So I, yeah, I, you know, and my parents are going to kill me for saying this, whatever, but my parents weren't good at saving money. And I talked about it on my episode. And for me growing up, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have an older brother cause I was the older brother. So my dad really was the person I looked up to. So I really at a young age realized that, you know, my parents couldn't save money. They didn't have a retirement plan. They didn't have life insurance. And I learned and I took it the opposite way because I always said to myself that I never want to be like that. Like when I get older, I don't want to have kids. And then if something happens to me tomorrow, when I have a family, nothing's planned for, you know, there's uh, $10 in the checking account. There's a $0 balance in your savings account. There's no life insurance to pay for your burial. So really you're passing the brunt of the financial hardships just onto someone else and not caring because you're just not on earth anymore. And I think that's, you know, that's a selfish way to look at life. So the question reverts back to, was that something that you found as well, being a middle child, seeing the financial hardships, you just wanted to go an opposite way, or, you know, you really just dug your feet into the ground and you wanted to work hard to make sure that you would never be in that situation again. Well, it, it, it's 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 a little it's a little different, and and I'll explain why. Uh, my dad was a, a businessman, I and mean, you've met him. He's a teacher now. Both my parents are teachers. They're they're they do okay uh, yeah. for what they do, respectively. Um, I don't think any any teacher out there is making like huge banging bucks, but no, no. Um, but yeah, but when, growing up, he he was just a businessman, right? Like we owned our he owned his own. Um, personal washing company. Uh, our, our clientele base was mostly automotive and or industrial type settings. Mm-hmm. And after I remember very young when I was seven, eight, nine, money was not necessarily as tight, but it was always because I had younger brothers and stuff. It was diapers and things like that. So like, <clears throat> you know, going to you know, being eight years old and you're standing in line at Walmart, you know, the question, hey, dad, everybody in my class has got Pokemon cards. Can you buy me a deck of Pokemon cards? His first response, and this is always, no, if I buy you some, I got to buy all the rest of them some. So, no. Facts. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was like, I, I never got any of those types of things. Um, not that, it, you know, that those things matter, but, you know, when you're young and, and everybody has it, then it kind of, it makes an impression on you. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the biggest thing was when the economy went to shit. Um, 2008? Uh, it, it, for us, it was well before then because I, the automotive industry was kind of already filling it. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, 
yeah, so we, we were having dealerships that we were working for, you know, tell us like, hey, man, we're going to need to cut back to every other week or, or you know, we're not going to need to hold off on this for, for now. And he lost a lot of business. Um, and my dad ended up going back to school probably, I think it was 2003, 2004 time frame. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to, like, go to school. And, and that's honestly, I learned my work ethic from my father. I, I seen what he went through to kind of trying to set himself up to where he is now. And it's definitely the hardest worker I know. And that definitely rubbed off on me. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, like I know how to work. If there's anything in this world that I know how to do personally, I know how to work. Uh, I don't mind getting my hands dirty. I don't mind talking to people. doesn't matter. At the end of the day, a buck's a buck. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go out there and make it and it's on you. Yeah. But, it, it did impact us. It did impact us a lot because, like, money was obviously tight during those times. Yeah. So, um, so you're growing up. You're seeing your dad as a hard worker, um, doing anything he can to provide for the family, right? Does that have some kind of headway on you know your life? So, do you? And I guess what I'm trying to get out here now is, at a young age, do you look at that and say? Hey, I'm okay working hard to make the same living my dad did. Or do you see yourself down the road working, you know, harder or just as hard, but reaping the rewards of your hard work? If that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting question. So uh, I, I think our paths are all a little bit different. And I think for what my dad enjoys, right? Like, you mentioned it. He's Native American. He's very passionate about uh, staying within our community and, and yeah. helping educate uh, those because it is the most impacted demographic when it comes to like dropout averages and things like that. Lower, ed, you know, lower reading levels and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he's very passionate about. And even though he was, he worked very hard to get to where he's at. I don't think the goal for him was ever really money necessarily. Yeah. Um, for me, growing up poor, or growing up and in, in, uh, working poor, and and not being able to, like, ever get the things that I want ever, mm-hmm. as maybe like, all right, I want money. I'm money motivated. Um, so I think the motivations are just a little bit different when it you know, when, it, when at the end of the day, yeah. it's really just brought on by, you know, different existential reasons. So, um, yeah, so they, you know, the experience that I, I've had has just kind of shaped me to be a little bit more money motivated than he is. Yeah. Um, um, but at, at the end of the day, at going through what I've kind of gone through has also made me kind of that more responsible. And, and I don't necessarily think it's always – now in hindsight, don't necessarily think that's necessarily the best thing to be all the time. Money, um, you see, you're saying money hungry is not the best thing to be all the time. No, 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 no. It's just kind of that that you know responsible you know mentality. Okay, that, that, I see what you're saying. You know, the old man, so to speak. That, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think that's. <clears throat> I think it's important to recognize when you're young that you should be able to do things that younger people do and you, you should fail pretty mm-hmm. much and you should learn lessons from those things. And I've, I've not learned those lessons. So my, and 
and I'll get to the point of all this, right? Yeah. Is I'm not going to stand up here and on any pedestal and tell like these are the paths to success. I'm successful. I'm not. You know, I still struggle. <laughs> you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I have two kids. I live in a 950 square foot apartment. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm broke as a joke. You yeah. know, it, it, but yet I I can fervently look back and say. I felt like I've made every right decision and somehow I still ended up in this position. How is that possible? Well, maybe it was because I was too afraid to take risks and maybe it was because I was afraid to fail because I, if I failed, then I felt like I would go poor and I knew I didn't want to be poor. So yeah, I just tried to make the right decision. And, and I, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really knows what those decisions are. And I think you should really just, follow you know your passions and you know whatever those may be at the time and and run with that and you'll learn lessons from whether you lose out on something or not um you you will learn lessons from it and you can just take those and and don't replicate the problems just learn from it and build on it i hear what you're saying so knowing what you know now in this current moment at this current time where do you travel back in time to maybe one of your failures, and I don't want to say failures because I hate using that word. Where, do, like, knowing the knowledge you have now, where do you go back and fix something in your life to put your, you know, your trajectory on a different path? Where do you go? You know, I talk to my wife about this all the time. You know, I, <laughs> I'm a very like sci-fi guy, right? Like, I, I'll be like, hey, you know, there's a parallel universe in which. You know, I've found success in some capacity. I just need to figure out what point that that split off from the reality that I'm in now. Yeah. Find an angle there. I, honestly, I don't know. There could be a billion decisions, right? Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm a pretty passionate at barbecuing, right? Like, I'm. If there's anything I know how to make, it's a good North Carolina style barbecue, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, when me and Nicole first moved up here, you know, I was I was smoking pork shoulders every other weekend, just trying to get my flavor right. And you know, I did plate sales, and we actually did really good at plate sales. And I've got some of the best compliments from people who who had you know my my plates, and I was selling them at like ten dollars a plate, which I don't know, you've never been to Ray from North Carolina, but that's a lot of money for Ray from North Carolina, and people were paying them. Um, I ended up running out of barbecue. Um, but, you know, if I could go back, uh, I, I would say, why, you know, why, why wouldn't I have just taken the risk to maybe start a food truck or something like that? I mean, I obviously it's something I enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was afraid to be honest with you. I was just afraid. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to, to be stuck in a situation where I, I would be poor or, you know, get stuck in debt even more so after college. So I, but I don't necessarily now in hindsight see that I wish I would have done something like that. You know, I wish I would have taken more risk. Yeah. And I, th I think the fear to fail, man, affects everybody differently because for me, the fear to fail, the fear to fail for me comes in the aspect of, I have an entrepreneurial soul, Right. So I want to, you know, I see envisions of what I want to do and how I'm going to be successful and how to make money. 
But to me, what I get scared about is actually opening a business and it being successful and then not knowing the next steps. So that's what's scary to me. And it's not like, oh, I wish I would have went back in time to make a different decision. I've had plenty of those moments. But when we talk about the fear to, to fail, essentially for me, it's looking into the future and being at a successful point in your life and then realizing that you really don't know what the fuck you're doing. And what if it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if you're successful and you have a, a multi-million dollar company? It just took off. You started a business yesterday, a week goes by, and now you're seeing all these sales come in. You started the company by yourself. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're drowning underwater and you don't know where to go. And in the age of time, you think it would be a lot easier to find people to relate to or to help you. But it seems like everybody's in it for themselves in this day and time and doesn't want to reach a handout to a small business or to a friend who's trying to sell cosmetics on Facebook. It's all about, you know, people worrying about themselves and they don't want to see anyone else be successful. So that's what the fear to fail for me means. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. So uh, just a quick question for you. Yeah. So is, I felt like your measure of, of that, like whether it's success or failing and whatnot is kind of related to a lot of existential properties, meaning like those other people around your circle, right? Like, and how they, they view you and what you're doing. Did I get that right? Uh, I would say that is correct. Yeah. So you, your point here is saying the people around me is what I'm scared about. Yeah, it kind of seems that way, right? Uh, I mean, that that's a that's a loaded question because I, I could say yes and I could say no. Um, I reevaluated my life years ago and I knew I was hanging out with the wrong people and they weren't successful and they were just not wanting to do anything with their lives. So I reevaluated myself and started to hang out after I got a career with you know enterprise to hang out with people who were money motivated and had business mindsets. So although I have a strong support system of friends. For me, it's the people that you meet when you start a company or you become a little bit more successful when you take that next step. And I think that's what the fear comes for me is, is, that, is that, that. Network, that network. Yeah. And we talked about that with Zach on the last episode was networking. And I would tell you now, you know, uh, if I were to go back in time, the question I asked you to a point in my life where I realized what I know now, I would go back to college. And the reason I, the reason I say that is, you know, I took college as a joke, man. I went to party, get fucked up, you know, hang out with girls, hang out with guys, play sports. And I never understood the value of education. So I thought college was portrayed how it was in movies to be a huge party scene, uh, doing drugs, getting drunk, and really just going to these massive parties when in hindsight, it, I treated it the wrong way. And I never networked. And, you know, we had networking events. I had the opportunity to, to join a fraternity and I didn't do it because as weird as it sounds, I was an introvert. I was nervous and cared about what other people thought of me. And that fear held me back from networking and making connections. I mean, maybe I don't, where would I be today if I took the chance to do more networking events in college in a profession where, you know, I had declared a major, you know, would I be in law school right now? I don't know. But I don't think I would change anything about my current life at this moment. I've been successful with jobs. I have, you know, done, I've said no to jobs and you can't be scared to say no to jobs. 
and I've took jobs that I've hated. And then I found jobs that I loved out of nothing that came just by happenstance, you know? So at the end of the day, I, I'm happy with where I'm at. Can I be better? Yes. And when I say that, I say, you know, everybody is money motivated. So you can, you can never have enough money. You know, you take a job making $10 an hour coming out of school and then you, that's not enough. You think it's enough. It's not enough. And then you said, I need to get to 15. You get a job making 15. This ain't shit. I need more. So then you get to 20 and you're like, this is not enough. And then you keep going, you keep going. And I'm at the place where I'm at now. I make a decent living and it's not enough. And to, I, hang on. I'm, I'm going to, so there is some measurement that they say, after about seventy-five grand, money really doesn't make you any happier. I don't believe that. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the study. They say they say every anything after seventy-five grand is really keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. See, so I don't want to. I hate saying this, but my combined income is over one hundred and ten thousand right now, and we save money and. You know, I, I am very frugal with the amount of money that I get. I put, you know, a percentage of my paycheck into a savings account and don't touch it. I take another percentage, invest in stocks, and then I take another percentage and set it aside to invest in, you know, podcasts and stuff like this. And I don't feel like that's enough. I still feel like I'm making, you know, $50,000 combined. And I don't understand what it is. You know, we drive the same cars that we've always had. I, I lied. We just leased the brand new Jeep, but that's a lease for the company the logistics company. So, you know, that's the only real nice thing that we have bought. And maybe it partially to that is right because we eat bougie and we go out to eat. So maybe that is, <laughs> but in the long run, man, it's, you know, reverting back to the topic of what we discussed earlier is, you know, don't be afraid to fail. And for me, I never had that fear. And I think when you first met me, you understood that, man, I never had sales. Yeah, yeah. I never had sales experience, went out to a job, busted my ass, and always took any job that came to my face that I knew was going to be a challenge where I could see potential to grow, you know? So at the end of the day, I, I like that you bring up the fact of, you know, don't be afraid to fail. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that, but uh, we kind of got off on a tangent about these deep questions and that's how, that's how usually it is when we get together, man. I knew that this was going to happen. So well, I mean, that, that's cool, man, man. Um, and you, you actually said something that I kind of wanted to go back to though. So, Talk to me. And I'll, I'll try. I'll try and segue it back into, you know, not being afraid to fail. Um, but you had mentioned your college experience and what, yeah. that, you know, what you wish you would have done it, would have done. And I'll give the the kind of contra positive experience to that was my experience. You know, I went to school. Um, we majored in the same thing, poli sci. I, you know, I think we both had the same ambitions. We both wanted to go to law school. Correct. Um, so very similar in, in that regard. But I, I did take it serious. I um, I had to work two jobs while I was in in school. So, I because by that time I was I was married at nineteen. Mm. So I that you know I had my own bills when I was nineteen. I yeah. Had, you know, I had a car bills. I had insurance. I had all the shit. Um, uh, the only thing I didn't have to pay for was the, the trailer that me and my wife lived in. And that was because that was my grandpa's and my dad told me if I fixed it up then I could pretty much have it as long as I want. So, you know, other than that, it was really the only bill I, I didn't have to pay for. 
So I went to college, I made good grades, worked two jobs, I also delivered pizza, and I didn't get any of those experiences that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, like, I also think those things are important, though, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. Because, you know, where you're at now, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, what happened, you know, where you're at, you're a product of your own experiences, right? Correct. And it, it maybe took you experiencing those things to draw back and say, you know what? Maybe these people aren't the type of people that I want to be around, right? Like, it, it took that experience for you to kind of draw that, and then that's made you who you are today. Like, you know, those are the things that you don't want to do. Yeah. And you want to focus on those things. I never had that. I. I w- I've always been like, I'm, I'm just, I felt like I've always made the right decision, but I'm still stuck in this, uh, this perpetual working poor state class that I'm in. And, and, and I'm I, trying to draw back on it and see kind of where I could have done better. I felt like, honestly, if I just would have done a little bit more living, yeah, uh, maybe, yeah, you, you know, maybe I would have turned out in, in some other passion you know, I, I love my job now. You know, I um, I work as an engineer and recruiter, and you know, I, I enjoy talking to people. I love I love working in that business. We we're going to talk about that on the next segment. We're coming up on thirty minutes, and we have to take a quick commercial break. But what I wanted to say before we hopped off, um, before commercial was, I liked what you said, and I wrote this down about fifteen minutes ago. Was you know, success can be weighed in different increments and different values to different people. So when I say that, you know, you could be making a hundred thousand dollars and someone measures that as successful, but you know, during this interview and you being one of my good friends, I look at you and I say, you know, you are successful in the fact that you are a father, you are a husband, you are a great man and you provide for your family and you have the kids. So, you know, you look at people who don't have families and they want, they strive for that. And that can be, a successful aspect that a millionaire strives for. So you really don't know the struggles that people are going through, but I did just want to say that. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pause here because we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm going to stop and we will pick right back up with Bray. We're going to go into his current career, his past jobs that he hated. And then we're going to wrap it up with uh, one of my favorite questions. I like to ask everyone on the show. So guys stick around. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Thank you for rejoining us. We are still here with Bray. And uh, before the break, we were talking about success. We were talking about the uh, ability to not fear failing. And Bray has been an awesome guest for these 30 minutes. We have another 30 minutes lined up full of information. And Bray is going to hop in here, man. And uh, tell us about, let's say, your last three jobs. So we talked a little bit about your, your come up what made you the way you were. I'm sure you worked little odd jobs, you know, going through school and college and you come out of college, you're outside of your major. What makes you take that job? What job was it? Go. Uh, Okay. So, um, me and my wife were facing the opportunity to move to Raleigh. She, um, she got into graduate school at NC state and I knew I didn't want to be away from her and she didn't want to be away from me. So the, the goal was just to get a job. Um, to be honest with you, it didn't matter to me. I knew 
whatever capacity that I can get into something, I would be successful at it because of how I was raised that I was a hard worker and it really didn't matter to me what that was. And I think sales was just the easiest thing to get into. And naturally, I don't think I'm a very personable person, to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) I I think once people get to know me, like you, you got to know me. You're a very personable guy. I think I uh, um, can come off a little disingenuous the way I approach sales sometimes. I can see that. Yeah. I can see it. It's very shallow on the front end and, and, and you, people that can kind of read through people can kind of see that through me, that, that I'm all, I'm not very personable. So, but sales was, it was an easy job to get into. And, and, um, I got a, I got a job offer at enterprise rent a car and, <laughs> and, and okay, this is a, the first, first failure, right? Like, <laughs> But it was the fear of like, well, uh, how am I going to pay the bills? Uh, you know, I don't have an income or yeah. anything like that. It was, it was that fear that kept me at that job a year and a half longer than I should have been. I knew mm. on the first day, I walked in, there was a line out the door, and there was no cars. <laughs> the only other guy that was there was an empty that had only been there working three months. The manager wasn't there. The <sighs> manager wasn't there. Nothing was clean. And there was a line out of the door of angry people, and the phone was just ringing. Dude, it's my first day. Talking about that day. gives me PTSD about that man. And uh, you know we can bash it, but I did take a lot of good things away from Enterprise, and I hated that job. But it did teach me some good things that I, ha- I mean, I don't use them now because I'm in construction, which is completely different. But if I were to stay in the industry of sales, um, customer service, and business management, I think I took a lot of things away. I mean. I thought I was pretty successful and you were too at being able to motivate other people other than yourself. Uh, I always saw that in you because you instilled that in me when I first started with you. So your values and the way that you taught actually instilled onto me when I was new with you, you know, the same values. So, you know, I kind of held myself to a very high standard when it came to sales, customer service, and then business management when you got down the road. But, but yeah, I mean, that job, I took a lot of things away from. And the question that I wanted to ask you, and you were talking, and uh, it comes to this is, and I, I, we probably have the same answer, is you're in college, you're there for political science. Do you realize you don't want to do that while you're in college? No, honestly, I, there's a part of me that still draws me back to it, to be honest with you. I, I, even in the day, like I, I was just talking to my wife, like, hey, is it? I wonder if there's an angle that we can make it and I go to law school. Like I still go back to it all the time. It's just so expensive. And, yeah. and it, at this point it's like, does that make financial sense? It doesn't seem like it would make financial sense, but I, I'm still very passionate about that field. Like I get into, I get involved with things and I'll read things and I'm just so drawn to them and, and especially when it comes to like helping out my people and like yeah. the, the, the tribe. Um, I don't, I don't know if you read a, a lot of into this, but um, you know, my tribe was, uh, has been affronted for nearly a decade on not receiving their full benefits of, of being a fully recognized tribe. 
Um, we are a full federally recognized tribe and yet don't receive the same benefits as other other uh, tribes in the United States. Didn't Donald Trump just do that? Like make you guys fully recognized? There's the thing. So, <laughs> Trump was a, one of the first presidents that ever, you know, approached us and literally said, hey, y'all guys are do this. This is this is all you. And basically, if you vote for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, it's buying votes. I mean, it's just like any politician does every four yeah. or six years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not so, I'm not so, you know, out of touch to think that like, yeah. hey, Trump's a saber or anything, yeah. but... I, you know, I will give him the do. Like, he was the first one who said that. Like, ain't nobody else said it. There's been other Congress people that yeah. been in the district that kind of has to say it. But he's the first president that ever said it. It wasn't Obama. It wasn't Bush. It wasn't <laughs> any of them. It was Trump. I know he was looking fishing for boats, but of you course. Know what? When the hurricane came through, Hurricane Matthews came through Robinson County, uh, you know, a few years back and, you know, flooded everywhere. Trump was there. And when no other president is there, yeah. uh, Trump, Trump's been to Roberts County several times. I get it. He's probably still fishing for boats. Yep. But at the end of the day, my people, he has been there, and my people supported him in this last election. And my, you know, my, I'm very kind of closely tied to who I know in, in our tribal council and leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were due to receive that. And it was actually in this most recent bill that was passed, and it was pulled out by Nancy Pelosi. Of course it was. Do you, I mean, and, do you expect anything else from – and I don't want to talk about politics. This is what happens when you put two poli-sci majors on a yeah, podcast yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll just do a, a spinoff and do a podcast about <laughs> politics. That would be pretty cool. But let's rein it back in. Let's talk about Enterprise. You hated that job. Uh, what – what do you do about a job that you hate, man? Like, I know that you, you know, you check out, but do you look for other jobs? Talk to me about when you knew it was time for you to quit that job. Where did you go and why? I knew hands down it was time for me to quit when I, I was due for a promotion and I was thrown for these different positions and it didn't matter to me what it was because I was money motivated, right? And my area manager looked at me and she said, you know, you're probably not getting hired for them because you're throwing for all these things, positions, and it doesn't look like you know what you want. And I looked her dead in her soul and I said, <laughs> I know what I want and I want more money. Do you think I went to college to fucking rent cars? That's the, they do. the moment I knew it. Yeah. They do. They do. So you you quit that job. Did you have anything lined up? Were you scared? Like, it, talk to me through it. Yeah, man. You, I'm, I'm the responsible guy, right? Like, so I, if I'm rolling out, I got something lined up. Like, I'm not ever. I like. I've never allowed myself to have that kind of risk, you know, factor involved with that type of decision making. And and I also think that's a part of the problem, right? That also goes back to being afraid to fail, because I also jumped into another job that. I don't necessarily think was a, you know, a great move. What I, was I it? Into cars, it's car sales. Oh. I sold, I sold Toyotas. Now, I do like cars, and I think anybody who's involved with me with an extent of time can tell. Like, hey, this guy knows cars. He, you know, he knows you know engines and yeah, and uh, stuff like that. And you know, I got a project truck that I'm working on right now, a '96 F150. 
Uh, it's got the three and two in it. Like it, you know, I, I know cars. I'm very passionate about it, but I don't think car sales was the right fit for my personality. Again, I am. I, I'm. I'm. I'm very introverted, but I can outwardly pretend to be extroverted. And but I think the more time I spend, that takes a lot of effort out of me. Um, it, 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 it makes me work really hard and, and, it, and that ultimately kind of leads me to being depressed because I also don't ever feel like I get recharged, right? I don't, I don't gain energy from being around a group of people. I expel energy from being around a group of people. I need my alone time. Yeah. Honestly, my, you know, the ideal type of job for me would be like, I need to be a welder where I'm just like doing something for three hours with my hands and my, I don't have to talk to anybody. That's crazy, um, man, because we are completely different and I'm sure, you know, you've heard it. Uh, I hate being by myself. I hate working by myself. I hate even just hanging out by myself, man. Uh, on breaks at work, I can't go to lunch because I don't like to be by myself. And I, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe just like a, my socialization skills that I always need to have someone around or talk to but we are completely different in that aspect. So what's one of the biggest challenges that an introvert faces? I think we froze, buddy. Okay, hold on. We'll, we'll come back. Man, that is the downfall of doing these interviews on Zoom. But unfortunately, not everyone can be in the studio. Like I said, Bray is in Raleigh. And we will pick up where we left off. I apologize for that. And the question I had, Bray, and we'll just, like I said, we'll pick off from where we got cut off is what is the biggest challenge that an introvert faces when, you know, going, going into the real world, even when you're younger, you're 18 or 19, you're graduating high school. What's a challenge? Cause I, I've never been an introvert. I don't think, and I don't know what kind of challenges they face. So speak to someone who might be listening, who's introverted, who is coming out of high school, uh, thinking about either going to college or starting a career and, you know, give, give advice to someone in that position. I think the biggest takeaway is truly understanding what those things mean, right? Like being introverted does not mean you don't have the ability to talk to other people and you shouldn't use it as an excuse to do so. And being extroverted is not the contrapositive of that, right? Like it doesn't mean you need to party all the time or don't need, your own self space um it, that those that's not one of those things it is a literally a displacement of energy right like some people gain energy from being around other groups of people which would be your extrovert and some people dispel energy meaning it 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 literally you know it fatigues them it it you know it, it's work for them to to kind of be around other people and to kind of maintain those that social status. For me, I am an introvert, but I'm very good at pretending to be extroverted, if that makes any sense. And you, the only way you can really tell is if I start to get in a group, probably more than six people, then you'll probably kind of start to see me shut down into like, into the background, like I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop talking. I'll stop getting more involved in the conversation because then at that point, it's just me observing and me learning because that's kind of really what I want to do. I'm just watching people talk and that's okay with me. I don't, I don't, if there's something I need to say, I'll say it. But for the most part, you know, it, when we kind of get in those types of groups of people, then I, I don't really need to. I, I enjoy the more intimate affairs. I, you know, if, 
if I'm at a party or something, I would much prefer to have a party of four or five people as opposed to large groups of people that I don't know. Because uh, for me, that seems more like work. I got to go in. I got to learn those people. I got to, you know, you know, make sure they know me. And, and then at that point, I'm kind of like, I'm worried about the perception of myself. And I get all inside my head. So, I, you know, I'd rather not. I'd rather not do that. So uh, I think uh, the, understanding that it would make the world a difference. And there's going to be a lot of people coming out of school or college or any, any, any place like that where they think they're introverted because when you're in school and, you know, when you're online, you know, you're, everything that you've been taught has kind of been in this introverted way uh, that doesn't really develop your overall social skills. People's social skills are developed by those X factors, right? Being at school with other individuals, right? Mm-hmm. If, if somebody can teach you, and that's why one of the reasons why the kids that are being taught through this COVID program and why I'm concerned about my two-year-old and my daughter not developing their social skills is that they can't be around other kids, right? They're going to be taught in a, in a very different way that will make them more introverted. However, business demands when you get out of college, you need to be an extrovert because that's how you're going to be successful. You can't be successful by not talking to people. That's just, I mean, you can, right? Like if you want to be a welder or something like that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. No. I commend that skill set 100%. Um, I would love to do that type of stuff, right? Like, But that's just not where I've ever been in life, and I'm very good at talking to people, and um, I think at the end of the day, I can't very, be very personal. It just kind of takes a lot of energy out of me to do so, so – by like eight o'clock at night, I'm like, I'm ready to be done. Like I, you know, I don't need to, you know, phone calls of people. I'm, I'm pretty tired, pretty shut down. Um, I need to revert back to my, my, my closed space to regain my energy, which for me is typically, uh, it's not healthy, but watch TV or, or, yeah. you know, occasionally I'll read a book or something like that. Um, but I need that. I need that moment to myself. I literally stay awake out of bed from going to bed just to ensure that I have at least that hour just to myself where I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to do anything. I can just be me and my thoughts and I can kind of get that back. And then I, I can, I can be reset for the next day. If I don't do that, then I'm going to go into the next day and I'm going to be all messed up, right? I'll be all over the place. Uh, you know, my thoughts will be all over the place. So, um, I think the biggest thing for people to understand about kind of being introverted or extroverted is what those things mean. And it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have the ability to talk to people. I do very well at talking to people. Um, it's literally my job and yeah. I'm pretty good at my job. I'm pretty personable. I know how to talk to people. If anything, I think it makes me better because I'm a little more analytical when I approach it. Um, and I've been in sales so long as like, I understand what people are saying when the words are not coming out of their mouth, which is really hard to do. Um, and I, you're, you're probably, you worked in sales for some time and you're yeah. probably good at understanding what that means as well, but nobody's going to ever give you 100% of what is on their mind. But if you really, really listen and you're paying attention to how they word and phrase things, you can kind of pick up on it. And, um, 
I think introvert being introvert has actually kind of helped me hone in on that hmm. and recognize those things when people are talking. For me, you know how extroverted I am, how much of a person I like to be and put myself out there and be the life of a party, be, you know, an absolute fucking clown all the time. So I think the downfall with being extroverted, and I'm going to speak from my perspective on this, is for me, and I talked about it earlier, is I always need to be around people. I feed off of other people's energy, and I I don't even know how to describe it. It's like being at a, at a hockey game or an NFL game, and you're in the crowd, and there's energy, and you feel that energy. For me, it's like I bring the energy wherever I go. I make people who don't have energy have energy, and then I feed off of other people. So – I'm going to revert back to saying the depression part for me kicks in when no one's around. So you just said that, you know, you have to take your time to be by yourself. And I can't, I can't do that. Being by myself for me makes me get into my head and makes me think that I am not good enough for people. And, you know, I wonder sometimes I'm like, yo, why don't any of my friends hit me up? And it's me overthinking because I'm by myself, if that makes sense. So like, I'll sit there and be like, man, I haven't talked to these guys. No one gives a shit about what I'm doing right now. And that's when I'm by myself. So I think that leads to a depression in the form of being isolated from what you're so accustomed to. So I like your description of being introverted. And I don't know, there could be extroverts out there who don't feel the same way as me. But I know from from my life and from my experiences, being alone as an extrovert weighs in and adds depression sometimes when you have to take yourself out of social situations. So I think that was a good, a good look at it. Uh, selling cars. We're gonna go back to your careers, selling cars. What happens there? I know that you're currently not doing that. Um, so talk us through what makes you leave car sales and go into the profession that you're currently at today. Uh, okay. So car sales, um, I think ultimately just to be successful in that role really demanded that I be somebody that I'm really not. And that wasn't, it's not necessarily a bad person. Um, Cause I know a lot of good guys that do the job to be honest with you. Like it, there are a lot of good car salesmen out there. I know that's like a, a thing that we're like good car salesmen. That's not possible. Yeah. Um, but, but it is. And, and you know, there's the car sales people that, you know, they, they can be straightforward with you. They can like, Hey man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm here to make money. And you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't get a great deal. I just, you know, let's work together and we can figure out some kind of compromise. And, and, um, one of the best car salesmen, honestly, like I watched him and he was so consistently successful. And I knew at the end of the day, it was honestly just because he was a very genuine person at what he was doing and I was not I was not I didn't care if you bought a car or not like <laughs> for me like if you didn't buy a car just get out of my face so I can greet your next customer and hopefully get a car sale for the day and it was very it's, it's very, obviously self-motivated but it, you know he was more of like a, the genuine person and I, I for me I just I wasn't and yeah and um, I knew and that, that was the only thing like I, I had just had my son and I could kind of see how me working all the time and kind of being absent from him was taking away from from him. To be honest with you, he's he's very much a mama's boy, and I do put that on my on myself uh, sometimes. Um, so I knew that I I needed a better work life balance as well. So 
that those things coupled together kind of prompted me to kind of find a new career and um my buddy who worked at the car dealership with me we had made a pact to one another because like that's a business like once you get in it's kind of hard to get out of yeah because people will stereotype you on your resume like no i'm not hiring a car salesman um so it's 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 really hard to jump in another role that is uh, could create an avenue to the type of success that I wanted to see, and he was able to kind of get out, and um, he he and and we had made a pact with one another, like, hey man, like you know, I got your bag. Whoever gets out first, we're gonna help the other one out. And <laughs> basically, he 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 got me a job and. Um, you know, he, he put in a really good word for me and I met, I met the, the, the guy that's my boss today and we kind of hit it off and, um, and, um, it was a really good fit and, and I've, I've enjoyed the role that I'm in. Um, even though I still kind of have to battle with that, you know, being an introvert and, and what I would consider a very extroverted type of role. I think extroverts do very, very well at the the type my type of role with very little effort they they tend to enjoy it a little bit more i have to kind of take a step back and be a little bit more strategic with how i approach things and how i talk to people and and, and things like that and sometimes that really kind of kind of messes me up but at the end of the day it's all to make me better and and um i enjoyed you know the types of people that i talk to i i get to talk to some really cool people man yeah uh, you know i i talk to engineers i i work with people that design cars and, and you know, the, the newest Tahoe's and I've, I've worked with people that built things that go on the SpaceX, you know, that are flying to space. And, and, uh, the, you know, for me, I, I enjoyed it. It can be interpersonal enough that be intimate enough that when I'm talking to these individuals, that it actually helps me that I'm an introvert because I can dive deep in what they're learning. And I, I, I want to explore more of their relationship, uh, mm-hmm. of that relationship. And that, that tends to help me in, in that regard and building those relationships. And at the end of the day, that will push me into long-term success in, in, in the role. Just because I know, like, you know, like if somebody hits me with a job, I'm like, oh, no, I got a perfect guy for that. Let me just call him real quick. I just talked to him last week. His son was at a, at a birthday party. You know, it's it's just it, it just works like that. Um, but. I, I think overall, you know, um, getting this role was more or less kind of, kind of, I kind of got lucky to be honest with you. I, I applied to the role a year before. And so it was a whole year before it was actually when my son was first born. I seen a job posting for this, for this job, Aerotech. And I was, I applied to it and never heard anything back. And then my, my buddy brought him up again when he's seen a job for him. Like, I you know I applied there. I never heard anything, but go ahead. And he ended up getting in and he ended up being able to bring me on board. And, and then, you know, I've been there ever since. And it's been a struggle at times, you know, through COVID and, and you know, I had to do a lot of layoffs and yeah. things like that. But, you know, it's, it's, um, anything worth doing is going to be, there's going to be a grind to it at some point. And, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to give up on it. I just need to get through the grind and set yourself up for a better tomorrow. That that's super. Yeah, man. I like that. So 
Let me ask you this, knowing, you know, we talked a little bit about your life, your come up, your jobs, knowing what you know now, how has your journey to this current moment shaped you into the person you are today? Well, it's made me a very hard worker and a very responsible person. Um, I've, I've gained some measures of success that I wasn't necessarily fishing for, right? Like I, I never had necessarily planned to be a father so soon, um, but I was. And I, I, I feel like I do mess up at that sometimes just because I feel like I do have to work so much. But at the end of the day, I, my, my kids love me. Um, you know, you know, when they wake up in the morning, I'm there. Yeah. You know, if they go to bed at night, I'm, I'm there. You know, I'll always be there for them. And, and um, you know, there's other measures of success, success as well. I've, I've been married to a very beautiful woman for a very long time. Most people, you know, our first date was The Dark Knight back in 2008. That's the first movie we went to together. We've been together ever since. And um, I don't think many people could say that. And I think that's also part of how me and her were raised, just our work ethic, right? Like, yeah. I think I think a lot of people like use dating now these days as like that troubleshooting, right? Like, hey, I'm messed up here on this relationship. That's going to end that one, but I can move on to the next one, and I don't have to necessarily do the same thing. You know, I could be a better person. You know, mm-hmm. and then eventually they find the the two the two matches where they match really well together, where they troubleshooted through all their problems, and they yeah. they just blended well, but. I've been fortunate enough to find a woman that is willing to work through those things with me. Like yeah. I was I was 16 when I went with my wife, man, I was a dumbass. Like there's no 16 year old boy out there. that is not a dumbass. Facts. But you know, she's loved me every step of the way. Even when I was being an asshole, she's forgiven me. And I've, I've was able to recognize in her, like, like where she was coming from and say, oh, okay, that's, a fault in me. I need to fix that and like go back and fix it and try not to replicate it. And we still do that, right? Like, I, like I think any good healthy relationship, there's going to be, you know, that ebb and flow of things. Yeah. I don't think everything's going to be 100% perfect, but um, I think we've found some success in the way we we do it. Um, so I I found success in in those ways. Maybe one day I'll find success at making money as well, but. That's uh, that's uh, to be determined, I suppose. <laughs> Man, you you like I said, you get, you have the strongest work ethic, and I know that you will be successful in anything you put your mind to. So we're stepping into a time machine here, and we're going back to visit baby Bray at seventeen or eighteen. What advice do you give yourself? Invest in Bitcoin. That's a fucking good point, dude. That. <laughs> I mean, the last time I checked, I think it was at 28,000. And uh, those opportunities don't come along too often these days, man. Especially not like like an Amazon style, like an Amazon style stock that'll come up. I mean, that thing's at three grand. I think it started super, super low in the 20s or teens. Uh, but that's a good point, man. Uh, if you buy buy Bitcoin, uh, so you, how many would you buy? Uh, well, if I could go back to time, I'd tell myself to buy as many as possible. But it's, it's actually funny. Back in, I think it was 2012, my brother-in-law 
was really into that. He was actually mining Bitcoins. And he told me, this was back when they were like, they weren't even $100 a piece. I think they, I think at the time, they had just went from like, for, for back then, they had just went up to like $12 a piece. Yeah. And he was telling, yeah, he was telling me I needed to buy into them. And I was like, yeah, bro, that sounds like super sketch. Because this is also too, like, he was involved in like some, other stuff and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is, making that money you know, legal. <laughs> yeah, this is a, like the, the the Silk Road type of stuff. Yeah, and of I course. Kind of brushed it off, and I think that was a part of my nature because I was such a that you know old man, responsible personality. I didn't understand and see like the the potential in that 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 software at the time. That yeah, that means of currency. Um, but I think now, obviously. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. That that one Bitcoin that was twelve dollars back in two thousand twelve is now thirty grand. So yeah, that's yeah, opportunity lost. Yeah, that's one of the things that I would have done differently. I got told at a young age to do that, and when you have a little bit of money, you're like, "Nah, I'm gonna go spend it on a new pair of shoes and not invest it." But uh, we're coming up to the end of the segment here, man. And I have one question, and I ask every guest this, and it's a fun question, and I just want to hear what you think about it. So. You're on an island, six months to a year. You have three items. What are you bringing with you, and why? I'm on an island, six months to a year. Yes, strapped by so yourself. We're... This is one of those put put you on the spot questions because it's kind of hard to answer super quick. So, I just like to see what people say. I think fishing pole would be. And okay. Obvious first choice, right? Yeah. I need a need a means to eat. Um, something to collect fresh water, so maybe like a barrel. Okay. Um, and then third, probably some form of entertainment. <laughs> I would say a, a, a probably a good book or something. A book. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe like a, I don't know, the collect, the total collections of Edgar Allan Poe. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's just a fun question. I just like to hear what people say about it. Uh, it just gets you off your feet a little bit and knocks you back from all of the life experience and career talk that we've been talking about. But like I said, man, we're coming up on the end here. And Bray, you have been an outstanding guest, one of my best friends. I appreciate you hopping in at the last minute. And, uh, is there any last things you want to say for someone who might be listening in your position? Um, any words of advice? And I know that this podcast really tailored itself around don't be afraid to fail, but is there any last things you want to say to someone to take away from this? Uh, you, you know, if you're young, you just start now, or, or even if you're my age and still in your you know, 20s or upper 20s, and you know, success doesn't happen o- overnight. It's going to take a lot of effort to get there and uh, it'll take a lot of grind to get there. So don't expect it to come. I haven't given up on it. I'm still working. Um, but ultimately you'll need to determine what that means to you and then, and then go for that. It's just not going to be the same for everybody. Well, you have been an outstanding guest. And like I said, and I've said it before, I thank you for taking the time to be on the show and I wish you the best of luck. And I will be visiting you and Raleigh soon. I know COVID has put a damper on these plans, but I owe you lunch for coming on here. So, 
definitely a beer, so. All right, I got you. Well, this has been the Raw Talk. We are going a little bit past an hour, so Bray, you have officially popped the cherry on the longest show here at the Raw Talk. So if you guys have made it to the end, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. I thank you. Um, If you know or if you or someone you know can use some of the information that you have heard during this podcast, please share it. Please like us on Facebook and check out the website. You can find me on Facebook at the Raw Talk. And the website is not up yet. I mean, it is up, but I don't know the web the web URL. But you can find that also on Facebook. We are connected to Spotify uh, at The Raw Talk on Spotify, Apple Music, The Raw Talk. And I just thank you guys for hopping on here. So we are going to hop out of here, and we are done. And that was Bray Cooper, who gave you a little insight into his life.